today's audio podcast from the Church at Bushland. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of the Church at Bushland and would like to enjoy more resources and weekly updates, we hope you will visit our website at thechurchatbushland.com or download our app by searching for The Church at Bushland in your app store. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. Please take a moment to let us know how this ministry is impacting your life by emailing us at info at thechurchatbushland.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so in our app or by visiting thechurchatbushland.com slash give. Well, so we are here at uh, another Digging for the Truth. And just in, this is the first time you've ever listened to Digging for the Truth. Um, basically, it's just that. The truth is the infallible Word of God. Uh, this guy right here, the Bible, and and that's what we are always digging into. Uh, how do we learn uh, the truth? Well, how we learn more about Jesus? It's all right here. And all we have to do is just dig. And so today, um, I've got Josh with me. He's here from across the pond. And why don't you tell everybody a little bit about uh, who you are and what you do? Sure thing. Well, thanks so much for having me. It feels so good to be here. Well, I'm glad you're here. I've been waiting for you to get back over here <laughs> instead of doing it through a Skype session. So Yeah, this is much better. We've been talk- um, I'm glad I get to be here as well. Well, we've been talking about doing something together for a while, and so I thought this would be perfect. Sure. Oh, thank you. Well, uh, yeah, for anyone who have not had the chance to come across before, my name's Josh, and uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a kind of a whosoever character, really. I became a Christian when I was 17. And it kind of lit my life on fire. And I knew from that point, I was like, whatever I end up doing in life, Jesus has to be the middle of it. And people have to find out about Jesus through whatever I end up doing. So really, that's taken me on all kinds of journeys. I probably mentioned to you before, I ended up in the punk rock scene at one point. I know. I can't see you as a punk rocker, but did you have the long hair or what? Yeah, I had the long hair. Was it green? had a few fake tattoos. No, I didn't really. (laughs) (laughs) No, they're real ones, aren't they? Yeah, (laughs) I wish. I wish. You know, I just... Did whatever it took, like used whatever skill set God gave me to to be someone who shares the good news. And uh, yeah, it's led me to a part of my life where I'm now kind of living here in Amarillo, which if you told me that when I was 17 and I became a Christian, I just thought it was the Spanish word for yellow. So I didn't even know it was a real place. Well, not only does that, so one thing I do know about you, this has nothing to do with evangelism, but... You would watch all these movies in Texas and, you know, all this stuff, right? So you always wanted to know what it'd be like to have a good-looking, you know, oh. Texas girl. Isn't that, isn't that? You know what? That is actually true, you know. I, used, <laughs> I, I genuinely used to watch movies, and any time there was, like, a, a good old Southern girl on there, I was like, man, that looks like the life. They, they look like they've just got such a great mindset, and I never thought I would actually end up marrying a Texan girl. Although anyone who knows Paige will know she's very un-Texan for a Texan. Well, she, she's a good mix, I think, right? Yeah, She's yeah. a good blend. She doesn't say y'all. Well, you know, I've been trying to get you on that. You're, you're, you're getting better. <laughs> you're getting better. And, you know, I, <clears throat> I'm trying to learn how to speak in, you know, an English accent, you know, <laughs> bubble and squeak and all, you know? <laughs> you need to come on your field trip and we'll... Uh, Jolly good. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, I digress. Well, so the fivefold ministry, I, I think that it's important we talk about what that is. Um, many people hadn't even really heard it, but mm-hmm. the Bible talks about it in Ephesians chapter 4. And so the, the scripture we wouldn't really talk about is uh, Ephesians 4, 11 through 12. And there's actually quite a bit here. I'm only going to talk about two verses um, just real quick. But it says, uh, and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints and for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. 
I'd like for you to, you know, if you have a chance, keep reading. There's actually quite a bit more there because one of the things it talks about is not being tossed around to, tossed around to and fro uh, by the wind. And, and we live in a time that I think has never been more important in history than to know who you are, whose you are, mm-hmm. and what you believe. For real. And it seems to me I have conversations with uh, business people, um, and people all literally all over the world. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting. Um, you can just tell who knows what they believe and who is kind of going being tossed around with that win. Mm-hmm. So first, as evangelists, we needed to really kind of talk about what is evangelism. So, you know, I'll let you pick that. I mean, what is evangelism? I mean, evangelism for me is just having a heart that wants to share something you've experienced in God and give it to someone else. Give it to anyone else. You know, if you've got it burning in you that, you know, you walk down the street and you're like, you want the people around you to, to want to know Jesus. That is what it means to be an evangelist to me. And evangelism is sharing that good news, sharing something that God's given to you with others. I mean, we all had to hear it from somewhere. Yeah. We all had to hear it from someone. And we now get the privilege of pos- like being the source for someone else to you know, start their good news story with God. Well, it's interesting you keep, you know, mentioning that because that's really, you know, the, the word actually comes from, it's a Greek word, uh, euangelion is the, I guess how you say it, and somebody's going to call me up later. And it's better than your English accent, I'll, I'll give you that. Hey, listen, it was not <laughs> as, it was as bad as, you know, Mary Poppins, I mean, some of those in there were kind of bad. I think I'm at least at that caliber, okay? No, no, you're good, you're good. All right, well, you know, the Greek um, word basically, euangelion means good news, is really what it means. Um, and so, if you think about it, the New Testament is written in Greek, so you have a lot of times cross-reference, so evangelism. But what's interesting, too, is that the <clears throat> Scripture specifically talks about people who are evangelists. Mm-hmm. And of those, well, my favorite is, is Philip in Acts. So, the book of Acts is, is I mean, it, it, the church is kicking it in high gear. Okay, Jesus has risen. He has mm-hmm. conquered the grave. Um, and so now you have this young church, and so people are going out and, and literally growing the church every single day. Okay. So, you know, Philip is one of these people who comes into the mix, and he's actually, I'm just going to go ahead and kind of spoil it for everybody. <laughs> if Once you get to Acts 21, you know, Paul at this point, you know, is really kind of driving uh, the growth of the church, but he, he says, I need to go see, he calls him Philip the evangelist. We're going to talk more about that in a minute, but I want to be called Trent the evangelist. That's my heart. Amen. So in, you know, I'm just going to give you a couple of these so you can go and look these up on your own. But, you know, uh, the first time we really hear about <clears throat> Philip, you know, coming to the forefront is in Acts 6, uh, 1 through 7. And he's chosen as one of the seven. So the church is growing. Um, they're having growing pains. And part of the problem is like the, the, there's um, quite a few widows who are their their needs are not being met the hellenists or you know there's all you know had is yeah. you know in a church right everybody has an opinion and there's lots of complaining <laughs> and right i mean there's stuff there's always the politics behind it the good stuff the good stuff too well anyway so <clears throat> they call the they said what you need to do is call up seven who know holy spirit who are strong in their faith and he was one of those and so he does just that he goes he uh ministers to the widows so then when we look at the next time we see philip I mean, this guy is preaching the word, and he's getting it. So mm-hmm. in Acts chapter 8, beginning in verse 5, he's actually, he's casting out demons. There's, he's healing, you know, through him, God is healing people. And then and one of the stories you might remember is um, uh, when a sorcerer, 
uh, he he saw because he was the one that they called the great man and all this stuff. He was magic, right? Mm-hmm. Well, he encountered God, got saved. He would later sin, but anyway. So this is this is whenever that story actually encounters. You keep going um, in Acts eight, and this is one of my favorite stories of Philip. Actually, you remember the one about the Ethiopian? Love it. All right. You want to share that one, or do you want me to just jump to the bo- my favorite part go, of it? You go for it, yeah. Well, my favorite part is, so he's probably, he's from Ethiopia. He's the treasurer uh, of, you know, the queen, okay? So this man has a lot of power, and he probably converted to Judaism because he was, he'd gone uh, to Jerusalem on a mission, okay? I'm supposed to be, well, he's, so he's reading the book of Isaiah. God placed him there, an, an angel of the Lord, and went told him to be there he hears everything going on and god says catch up to it and they asked him do you know what that means he goes how can i unless somebody teaches me so he says well who they're talking about is jesus and jesus has already come he's died on the cross and anyway he said he right then he said i want to be saved can can we do this and he said absolutely and not only that we'll baptize you you know Mm -hmm. and so my favorite part of that story though is when at the at the end, after Philip baptizes the Ethiopian, it says God caught him up. I mean, like literally, he vanished out of thin air, man, and placed him in a town basically thirty miles away. That, to me, that's a cool part. I wonder what I want to know what that was like. That's Holy Spirit flexing on us. That, 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 that that's some cool stuff. I mean, I admit. they didn't even have to include that detail, but I'm glad they did. You know, it's kind of like this. You remember one of the details that always catches me is, is Paul. Saul. He gets, has the, he's on the road to Damascus. Okay, literally in a nanosecond. Okay, he becomes Christian. He's been the persecutor of the Christians, but now, I mean, he encounters Jesus. Jesus says, why are you doing this to my people? Mm-hmm. He's blinded. He says, they go in, and, I, you know, and, and the street that he, he's staying at is straight street. You know, I always thought that's kind of interesting. <laughs> God, you know, right there, he got scared straight. I mean, not only did he get scared straight, he got, you know, slayed straight, right? <laughs> okay, well, anyway, that's a nice little detail. All the little details. All the little details. God's, God's into details. He is into details. <clears throat> Real quick, I'm going to just, and I'm going to let y'all read some of these on your own, but Philip, whenever, uh, you know, Paul now is really full steam in his ministry, and he enters the house of Philip the Evangelist. Call him Philip the Evangelist. And he has four daughters who prophesy. I mean, this is a house where Holy Spirit does neat things. I mean, I'd love mm-hmm. to know more. I can't wait until I get to, to, to meet him in heaven and just to hear about the encounters he had because i know that there's there's nothing in the hardly in here yeah compared to what he truly encountered you know so to me that's really what evangelism is i mean that's a great example scripturally as to who an evangelist is and you mentioned a minute ago that you know you early on you, you were captivated captivated by christ mm-hmm. and you had a fire in your heart okay so when did you know you were an evangelist I mean, I think I've always been brought up with a sense of, like, I describe myself as becoming a Christian at 17. I was raised in a Christian house before this. My parents led a church. Um, I knew God. I believed in God. I loved God. But the reason I say 17 is because that's when I really decided for myself, like, this is what I want to do because I'm choosing this, not because it's the way I've been raised. You, and You made your faith your own. For real. And I got baptized at 17. I'd actually been trying to get baptized since I was like 11 years old, and it just never worked out. The opposite of uh, the Ethiopian here. He got baptized in the first two minutes of his, his walk with Christ. <laughs> yeah. It took me, it took me <laughs> much longer than that, but it was the right time for me. Um, I got baptized, and but even as a kid, I just I had this sense that, my faith was not something to hold on to and to keep for myself. Like I always knew 
that part of the DNA of what it means to be a Christian is to be a super spreader. Like yeah. To, to take back a bad word there. Yeah, I was about to say, you're, <laughs> reclaiming, you're reclaiming territory yeah, with that word you now. Know, it's, uh, all words belong to the Lord. I'm, That's I'm right. taking that one back. That's good. You need to. And I, I knew this from the point of where, as an 11-year-old at school, when I was asked, um, you know, on our first day at, well, we call it secondary school. It's probably middle school here. You're with all these new kids for the first time. The teacher goes around like, everybody, I want you to say something about yourself. There was no doubt in my mind that the thing I had to say in that moment was I had to tell people I was a Christian. That's cool. And I had to tell people that, like, my life is devoted to, you know, to living for God. And I know that's not because I had, a, you know, been taught amazing things about this or, or whatever. It was just something God had put within me. Whereas, like, if I'm given a platform, I'm not supposed to use this platform to say, Oh, I'm really good at playing chess or I'm really good at doing this. It was, if I'm given a platform, I'm going to use it for God. And I know as an 11 year old, that didn't come from working it out. That came from, because it's just in there. Well, I'll, I, you know, that's so cool. My, my wife, Brandy, um, she served the Lord her whole life. Okay. And me, I, I grew up in a different environment. I, you know, we went to a church, we, we went to a, a denomination, I call it Catholic light. It wasn't Catholic. It's Protestant. But it is, I mean, it's, I didn't know what salvation was. Um, and I, I, for me, I didn't get saved till quite a bit later. I was, uh, I was a bit ornery. I know you have a hard time believing that. <laughs> All right. But it's the truth. I had a tendency to get in trouble a lot. <laughs> and I was ornery. I, I was ornery. I mean, I was a very immoral young man. And uh, I got saved when I was a senior about to graduate, or just graduated, and but it was May 22nd, 1994, on a Sunday night, in a Pentecostal church, okay, which was a massive, you know, leap from where I'd come mm -hmm. from, um, but it was because somebody evangelized me, and it happened to be my aunt. Um, she was sick, um, she, had, she had cancer, but she cared more about my salvation than even her own sickness. She showed me what the love of Christ is, you know, in, in an incredibly deep and personal way. And uh, I remember that night, it was actually on a Sunday night, that, uh, that I went, in fact, I remember when she asked me to start coming on Sunday nights too, and I was like, you know, nobody's bad enough, you have to go to church twice in one day, you know, <laughs> but, but I remember that Sunday night, I couldn't wait until the preacher just shut up so I could run to the front, I knew what I needed to do, wow. and uh, so what's interesting is the lady who prayed with me that night, um, I grew up wrestling with her son, um, her name is Deanne Osteen. In fact, she goes to our church. She and Buddy Osteen go to uh, our church now. And it's, it's interesting. So they've seen, they saw the stupid Trent, okay? <laughs> they saw the mildly stupid Trent. And they saw, you know, and then they see me now. And I'm, you know, I don't know what level of stupidity I'm at <laughs> right now. But, you know, it's not fully erased. I still have my idiot moments. Um, but So that was kind of, but I remember coming into that relationship. And after knowing Christ and feeling like I had hope, it's like, Everybody needs to know about this. Yeah. Right? So you have these moments that, that spark interest. I, one of the things that impresses me about you and the things that you've done is um, you have uh, been in the mission field a lot in some neat places. Mm. And you've encountered some really neat people. Um, and so does there any, are there any stories regarding evangelism? Because honestly, all the missions is, eva is evangelism. Yeah. Okay. But... Is, are there, is there a story that maybe sticks out? Yeah, I mean, I feel so privileged in life to have got to, yeah, to get to travel to different parts of the world that people don't go on vacation to. Um, you know, you go there, you meet people who are a part of the church, and then 
you get to co-labor with them in reaching out to the people who are there in their part of the world. And as an outsider, you can often bring something in that, you know, can just spark stuff for people. I think the story that comes to mind for me, like thinking about this stuff is um, one of the locations that me and some of my friends have worked in a lot, 10 years now is uh, Lebanon in the Middle East. It's when I first got asked to go there, I, I turned down the opportunity like three times from the leader of my old internship that I did. And he kind of sat me down and he was like, no, Josh, this isn't a choice. Like you're coming on this mission trip. <laughs> and at the, the problem for me is that if I start something, I know I don't just want to dip in once. Right, yeah. And no, I, you're an all-in guy. I knew if I went there, that wouldn't be the, f the first and last time that I would go. So, and which has proven true. I've now been like 13 times or something. And anyway, I, we go there, we work at a school. We meet a lot of kids from other faith groups. It's kind of a, a Bible-based school, but most of their clientele, 80% of the students at the school aren't raised Christian, aren't from Christian families, only know about Jesus through being at this school. We go there, and I remember reaching and talking to a kid who was from, like, an Islamic background. And, yeah, we were talking talking with him, and it, it didn't feel like much was going on. Like, we're teaching our classes. We're doing our thing. I want to be open and friendly to everyone I meet. Yeah, I just want to seize every opportunity I can get in any conversation to see if there's any wiggle room to, you know, bring the gospel in. And he knows I'm a Christian. He knows why I'm there. Anyway, like, I don't get into, a, like, an incredible conversation with him. Just lock in the friendship and it was good and we connect on like facebook and all that kind of stuff anyway a year goes by or two years goes by and all of a sudden this this kid is really sick and it's you know it's it starts becoming a situation where we're at the school and realize he's not there because he's so unwell and i haven't spoken to this kid for a while and people in the school are telling me he's really sick and worrying about this and then it turns out that well i get home from this trip and a few days later i get a message from this boy saying, Josh, would you pray for me? Oh, wow. And I'm like, okay, what's going on? Like, I know this kid's sick. I know none of his school friends have seen him for months. I know this is going on. He says, would you pray for me? And then I didn't even know it, but a few days later, he passed away from the oh illness my goodness. that he had. So the next time I go to Lebanon, I go and I end up bringing his name up in a conversation with the teacher. And the teacher's like, wait, he reached out to you? And I'm like, yeah. And I go to show her the message. And she's like, he didn't talk to anybody about anything. Like this kid didn't reach out to anyone for prayer, didn't ask for this, didn't ask for that. But he reached out to you and they only knew because I just randomly brought it up. So I know this story is long. It does No, I, th this is why we're here. This is, this, <laughs> this is encouraging. You know, this is the, edif the edification of the body right here. This is it, brother. I love it. It's good. So I showed the, the, the message to a teacher and she's like, she's basically like, oh my God. And I'm like, okay, something's going on here. She goes away and she comes back. She's like, would you be prepared? Would you be willing to come and meet his mother and his family? And I'm like, yeah, of course. Like, I'm just like, you know, if I can pray for these guys or do anything, I'm in. Like, count me in. Like, yeah, if, yeah. if there's a chance to glorify God in this, yeah, it might be awkward, but I'm going in. So I go in and I get talking to them. And basically, it turns out that this boy, like, he started asking questions about Christ just before he died. And this teacher I was with started reaching through to him. And all this amazing stuff was going on. And me showing that message to his mum was something that really helped spark her to go, my boy put his faith in Jesus just before he passed away. Oh, that's awesome. This is something that I need to now be doing in my life. And she then took out her phone and she showed me this picture. And she said, I've not really shown this to anyone. And she shows me a picture of him. They're like taken a day before he died. He'd had this weird burn mark come up on his body. I'm not now, I'm not, I haven't got much theology when it comes to <laughs> stigmata and a lot of crazy things like that. But a cross had appeared on his body and his whole family, when they'd seen this, were like, 
Jesus. That is incredible. Jesus, what's going on here? And it turns out like, yeah, I got to meet them. I got to pray with the family and people like I just, the, the takeaway for me of this story is that I went there so obvious and open for Christ, but sometimes it's not until someone's in their deepest, darkest place that they're willing to come to you as a point of reference to God and reach out. Now, no other students from that school have passed away and been in that deep, dark moment. But one by one, like slowly, students over the years have been reaching out to me because they know if they come and talk to me, I can lead them to Jesus. I can tell I them that. the things one-on-one -on -one that I've been shouting at them from the front of a, you know, a school assembly or a, a classroom or something like Man, that. Man, that's cool. You know, and that's what it's all about. You know, I think, so for me, you know, my, my gifting is leading people into a relationship with Jesus. Mm -hmm. And where I, my, the, the ground where I really cut my teeth was actually at the homeless shelter mm -hmm. here in town. Now, Faith City Ministries, Faith City Mission um, is, a, is a homeless shelter, but they're more than that. They're, they're faith-based, but they're also, uh, they have a recovery program. So in the recovery program, I mean, it's a year-long live-in program and all this stuff. But anyway, um, every day, uh, you know, for bre uh, breakfast, lunch, dinner, um, they, they feed the homeless. And they, before they can eat, they give a message. They want you to you know, hear the word of God, right? So the first time I remember I was going to go do this, uh, and I was going to preach. And, and so I had my message all put together. And I couldn't even, I can't even tell you what I, what I preached <laughs> on. But there were quite a few uh, quite a few people. There's probably 60 people plus in there. And here's all these people. When you come in, these, this group of people um, over the years, they're my favorite group of people. They're the most genuine, open, honest. They, they're going to, they, you, you can't go in there and be uh, disingenuous to them. They're going to call you out. I yeah. mean, these people, they've, they've already hit bottom, most of them. And I mean, they're looking for hope and they're looking for truth. Well, anyway, so I go in and I'm preaching and in the very back, okay, there was this guy and I'm, he's wearing a yellow coat, black pants, and he's just, and the whole time I'm preaching, and he's just kind of, he's mad. Every time I say the word Jesus, he looks like he's going to just growl, you know, and, and he's prowling back there like a tiger. And, and so, I mean, I, I get to the end, and I say, all right, anybody want to accept Jesus, you know, and some hands go up and stuff like that. And so I was like, okay, I pray, and I'm walking, and I'm walking back towards the door where this guy is, and he, he makes eye contact with me, and he starts coming towards me. I'm like, I think I'm not getting a fight right here on my first day. I, I mean, he's coming aggressive, and he gets to me, and he just grabs me, and he sucks me in, and he just starts bawling. Wow. And he starts crying, and he just, he, you know, and he, right there, and I'm like, and so oh, at, this, at this point, I start crying, and he had been, you know, uh, just totally, he was totally done. He was at the bottom of his life, and, and but he was, this, this day, he, he was completely sober, um, he was clear-headed, and God was working on his heart. I can still mm -hmm. tell you what his name is. His name was Jimmy. And I, right there, we fell on our knees, and I said, Jimmy, I said, do you know who Jesus is? <laughs> do you know? And, and we, he just heard the message, but I didn't think he heard any of it. And he did. He called out the name of Jesus, Romans 10, 9, confessed with his tongue, believed, and I could tell he believed. Mm -hmm. He received Jesus Christ right there. And that was really powerful for me because I realized that it isn't, you don't have to be this great orator. No, you know, and and what Faith City and and all the people at Faith City have taught me is that what they're looking for is honesty, sincerity, people to be genuine, and 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 to be shown what hope is. Mm -hmm. And this is hope. Mm -hmm. 
And so that was that from that day forward. I mean, that's when I just, I mean, I couldn't, I was like, okay, I know my mission. Yeah. My mission is to introduce as many people as I can into a relationship with Jesus. And I'm going to tell, even if it's unpopular, um, you know, and, and we're going to be persecuted or ridiculed or whatever, it doesn't matter. Okay. Just like when you were 11 years old, is that what you said? Yeah. You know, in, in school. And when you knew it got to you, you knew what you're going to say. I knew it wasn't the way to necessarily make friends. No, but, <laughs> but I tell you what. It, More it, important than that. <laughs> well, I, but you knew at an early age. And I, I think that's incredible, you know, and that's where all of us need to be. So actually, that, that's kind of what I, I kind of want to end on is who is called. There's a, before I, I got into the technology, you know, teaching tech, about technology, how to raise kids in a safer environment and all mm. that stuff, I, I started writing a book. Oh, great. And, and now, you know, it's going to take a little bit of a different you know, twist. Um, but, but I started, the, the title of it was, uh, or is, because I need to finish it, right? <laughs> um, but it is You Are Called. Uh-huh. And it's about evangelism. And the, the truth of the matter is, is the word tells us that if you, any of us have a relationship with Jesus Christ, any of us, then we are to share the good news. Yeah, amen. Right? You don't have to be an orator. No. See, that's what I want people to get and take away is that there's evangelists and every single person who knows Jesus. And, and I don't mean this in any harsh way at all. And so, cause sometimes the enemy comes and he's the accuser and he, 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 he sometimes will instill fear. And we need to just like in second Timothy one seven, you know, tell that fear to get behind us. Yeah. God hadn't given us that spirit. Right. But it's selfish for us to know Jesus and to not share. Yeah. I think there's often like a confusion between what people think an evangelist is like. When we think of evangelists, we often think of Billy Graham, man mm. stood on a stadium preaching to tens of thousands at a time. And we look at ourselves and we go, I can't be that guy. And I think that's such a common feeling for people. And I guess I just want to encourage people and say, don't be that guy because not everyone is supposed to have a stadium ministry. No, not everyone's supposed to have a public speaking ministry evangelism is reaching anybody is reaching anybody who needs the good news of Jesus. Like, and I think something that really encouraged me to, well, a scripture that really encourages me to go after this is in, in Corinthians when Paul's talking about the different work that different people have done in their lives. It's, mm -hmm. it's basically, what is it? It's one Corinthians three. It's talking about, you know, people are being bickering about who they follow and they're like, well, you know, if Apollos plants the seed and I water the seed, what difference does it make? It's God that's at work to grow the seed. And I'm like, when it comes to evangelizing people, you don't have to be fully responsible for walking this person through their entire journey. No, of Christ. no. We just have to be faithful to sow a seed if that's necessary. We have to be faithful to water a seed if that's necessary. And if we were all to just reach three people in our lifetime, successfully share the gospel with them and see them walk through into a life of following Jesus, man, we take this world over. We just, I think we fall short often because we, we put a massive expectation on ourselves of going, an evangelist has to stand on a street corner and shout, and that is not me. Well, and not just that. I think, I think what you're saying is right on, but I think also people feel like they have to know this inside and out. Yeah. And that's absolutely not true. You know, it's really easy to say, you know, I don't know, but let me research that for you. And we know about the gospel because a bunch of fishermen, uneducated fishermen, faithfully passed this message down for thousands of years. They weren't educated. Well, and God gave them, them the authority. See, and that's, yeah. you know, whenever you step out in faith, God will equip you 
with, again, the fivefold ministry, right? Yeah. You know, not just the fivefold ministry, but also the gifts of the Spirit. So, in the fruit of the Spirit, he, but he, he equips us. Yeah. And sometimes he's just waiting for us to say, all right, I'm going to tell that person, I'm going I'm to take them to lunch and just <laughs> love on them yeah. and say, do you know Jesus? I mean, it's that simple. Do you know Jesus? How many people in our family? Yeah. You know, uh, extended family or whatever it may be that they don't know Jesus. Now, here's the thing is that I, I think that sometimes people, you have, you have two sides. You have the, the very timid side who are afraid to, to go and say anything. And then you have the other side who start, you know, at every Thanksgiving, start pulling out the pamphlets, you know, leaving them all <laughs> in around, yeah. you know. And so you, you got to know your audience, but that's the beauty of evangelism. You and I were talking the other day about the tube. Hey. Okay. Over I missed, the, I missed the tube. You missed, well, yeah, I'll tell you what, you can go up to New York and ride the subway, <laughs> you know. But, <clears throat> you know, the thing about that, you, you mentioned that you like about the tube, and the thing about uh, London is you're walking everywhere. And it's a little bit slower paced in some ways because you're not just passing everybody in a car. You, you're seeing more eyeballs, you yeah. feel like. Yeah, yeah. You, you know your rhythm in that. You know, in that. You come out here to Texas, especially Amarillo, we're all spread out. And you're like, well, I don't see people as much. And so I was like, well, they're there. There's just as many. Yeah. You know, you just have to look in, 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 the, in the, it's a different opportunity. Seize the moments that you get. Seize the moments. Like, you know, I was telling you just the other day, I mean, I'm sitting there sharing. You know, there's a guy that looked angry when I was filling up with gas. And so I go over and say, hey, we got the same haircut. You know, he laughs. And so then, you know, it opened conversation. Yeah. You know, and, and you said something a minute ago that's really important that I think you need to, to build on is, or I don't know, is that you, you maybe just be the one planting the seed. It's mm -hmm. not, you can't save anybody. Yeah. That's, I think we talk about leading people, you know, we're going to go get them saved. Well, we can't save anybody. Yeah. Good luck with that. Right. Okay. So. You know, you don't have to have all the answers. You, all you have to do is just be faithful to your testimony, and nobody can tell you that your testimony is wrong. That is so, so true. The confidence that you can stand with when you, you know, share with somebody your own story is just unlike anything else, really. Like, people can argue all day long about, you know, theology and this or that, but, man, you can't argue with love. You can't argue with your testimony. And I just think if you present those to people, we're going to win people over because, you know, love can't really be defeated. And the authority of what God's done in our lives, we know that. And we, we you know, we know that we live in the miracles of, of what we've gone through with our families and our own stories. And it's like, yeah, we can just share those with people. And that's, again, like we're not called necessarily to reach tens of thousands of people. We might just be called to reach the people that God's actually put in our lives who know our story and who get to watch our story and witness it. And uh, I just think if we could be faithful with those small bits like that, then if God wants to call us to that stadium ministry, then he knows the people to call. Yeah. But like, man, the church would just be so powerful if each person would realize that the enemy can't steal your story. No, he can't. A stranger cannot tell you what your story is. Only you know your story. And it's weird the limiting factor on how much we share it with someone. Well, in, in a good story is when we hear good story and we hear uh, other people's life and encounter and things that they've experienced i mean it inspires us yeah it inspires us and and we're like you know what i, I want to be a part of that i want to see more yeah you know well brother man this has been cool I, i'm so glad i want to do this again and and you know might not be evangelism but it's gonna be another topic i love having you on you, oh it's an honor thank you well and you've got so much depth 
Um, and I want. I think we need to talk about missions at some point. I would love to do that because you're you're the man on missions. But anyway, well, we appreciate you joining us. Um, this has been a lot of fun. Be sure and check back again here soon. We're going to be, you know, every couple of weeks releasing a new episode. And uh, anyway, check us out online. It's going to be in the uh, the mobile app. Also, get the TCAB app if you don't have it. And uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast from the Church at Bushland. We hope you will stay connected by following the ministry on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram by using the Church at Bushland. We are all about people because God is all about people. We exist to help people know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference.